0: This is Exploring Leaders with Turid Solvan, a global sustainability and corporate governance expert and CEO of Future Board, sharing insights and inspiring you to take leadership in the digital age.
1: Do you wonder how trailblazing leaders sense at scale, involve to innovate, and align the actions in this increasingly digital world? Welcome to the Exploring Leaders Podcast. The experienced team at Degosian interviews leaders from around the world for insights and inspiration on how to lead in the digital age. In this episode, Degosian founder Lizalette Engstam, who is also an independent board chair and director, researcher, author, and advisor, asks the questions. Our guest
0: today is Thurid Solvang. Thurid is the founder and CEO of Futureboard an organization that aims to raise the awareness, drive the debate and develop good practices within corporate governance for a sustainable world. Turid is the former chair of European Federation for Directors' Associations, co-founder of European Women on Boards and former CEO of Norwegian Institute of Directors. Turid believes that it's time to rethink corporate governance and intends to be the instrumental to make that happen. This episode focuses on her journey and areas in sustainability and corporate governance she believes we need to focus. Welcome to Solving. You are an insightful leader and you're an influencer in corporate governance in a world moving to a disruptive and digital era. And we met as part of a European corporate governance event, which you were arranging uh, actually on digital impact on companies and boards. And we like our listeners to know a bit more about you and your background. So if we can start with what business accomplishments have taken you to where you are today?
2: Can I start with saying thank you for, <laughs>
0: for yes, of course. out? Yeah. I'm honored to be
2: part of this. So it's good. So hmm, what brought me to where I am? Well, I guess lots of uh, coincidences, some good planning, some luck some bad luck, I guess, all of it. It's not a straight line. It's not a straightforward thing. Right. But but I can see I started out actually in the computer business, which we call the EDB uh, business at the time, which was in the mid-80s. Right. So that was my first job. I was mm. teaching uh, programming in basic <laughs> at oh, the time. Wow. <laughs> on, on the Commodore 64 machines, for those who remember them. <laughs> And then I continued working actually in the computer business until early 90s, Uh, but I moved quickly into the communication part of it. So I was sort of the communication marketing side of of the business. And then I moved over to sort of a communication company, PR company a global peer company, yeah. and then I started with the board work, and and, and uh, as you know, the discussion about the gender quota on boards in Norway, which was the early two thousand, yeah. and that combination of, of my interest in board work, and uh, obviously my interest not in women, but in gender equality mm. on all levels... And, and, and then it's just spurred. And, and, uh, I had the request uh, to start working with board portals already in 2004, which was quite early. That was the time when people, you know, at best sent board papers on, on board documents on emails. Uh, most of them still used envelopes with stamps right. on. Right. So that was sort of an uphill battle to to try to sell these board portals. But at the same time, I was also on a project for recruiting women on boards in in Norway, uh, also in line with the uh, the quota law, which came quite quickly after that. Right. And then I started or co-founded the Norwegian Institute of Directors, that was in 2009, and I was uh, the head of of the institute until uh, October 2016. Mm. So when you look back, it, it seems like it's a straight line. It seems that it has all been figured out and planned, but uh, it wasn't. So, But here I am today, and, and uh, as you know, in 2016, I started my own business, Future Boards, because I've started to reflect, and also because I, I had uh, the, the very fortunate opportunity to discuss board work, not only on the European, but also on a global level.
0: Right. Which and is I very saw, interesting, which is actually also taking off right now. Isn't that true?
2: Yes, it is. Mm. <laughs> and mm. I, I hope that I could be a driver of, of that debate uh, yes. from uh, from my side. Yeah. Because I, I could see some differences and I could see some similarities. Yeah. And in the midst of all this, we had a debate about the, the digital or the fourth industrial revolution as it was called and and it's not more than two it's two years ago when I had a speech in in Oslo and a huge huge conference about uh, what what kind of digital competence should you expect from board members and that was actually the very beginning of people trying to look at boards hmm, they are the ones making the final decisions what kind of competence do they actually have in this area which is moving so fast so I thought that, well, we need to have sort of a global understanding of Mm. what is good corporate governance, what kind of people do we need on these boards, and what are they going to do, and how are they going to do that? So that is where I place Future Mm. Boards as a company, uh, and try to develop a a global corporate governance network to debate and to develop uh, corporate governance thinking.
0: Very yeah. interesting. And and can you tell us a bit more about what are you doing in your current engagements and what are you trying to accomplish?
2: What I'm trying to accomplish is to raise the awareness mm. about the importance
0: of good corporate governance, mm.
2: first of all. And then also to raise the awareness that we have to discuss what is good corporate governance, because even... In Norway and Sweden, we have different opinions in some areas of, of, of the corporate governance. Uh, and when you look to other company, other jurisdictions, you can see Bigger differences than we have in the Nordics, but, but still in the Nordics where, where we believe with, we are quite, quite similar, mm. uh, in some areas we are actually not. Yeah. And, and since companies are going global, and since we also have we have foreign investors in those companies, which means we, we would have foreign board members, and to have a constructive discussion on the board... Then you need to to have a common understanding. Mm. Uh, at least you, you don't have to agree what is the best model and what is not, but you, at least you would need to have a common understanding of h- how this is done in, in the different uh, different countries, right? Because that forms your uh, your decision, uh, your platform of decision. Yeah. So, so what, what what I'm doing is gathering global voices within corporate governance mm. as this. Very prominent, Mervin King from from South Africa, people from uh, Southeast Asia, uh, from U.S., Canada, etc., to discuss how our our company is going to be uh, governed in the future, and with the focus on the long term value creation, because that is also the basis of it. How do we make our companies last in the long run without harming uh, the, the the society and um, and the environment around us.
0: Right, which links very well into my my next question, which was actually, how do you see, what are the challenges for leaders that leads their new companies today? And do you believe that we have been too short-sighted previously and that we need to change something?
2: I really do. And uh, this is a a slow motion, which seem to have or seem to be picking up pace these -hmm. days, Mm -hmm. because people are getting more aware of the damage companies are doing to the society,
0: Mm.
2: and maybe also because of the digitalization, and you have the flow of information, which is, goes with with a high speed, so people get informed, and they get informed quickly, and now they found this huge island of plastic, Mm. I think it's in the Caribbean, which is double the size of Texas. And because of the digital information, this information reaches the customers. It reaches Mm. us as stakeholders. Mm. And it makes us aware, "Hmm, maybe I should stop buying products which are covered in plastic because Mm. this is destroying the planet.
0: Mm.
2: As easy as that. Mm. So... And it's difficult, of course, but, but, but the awareness hasn't been there sufficiently. But but now we're speaking a lot more about it and, and, and we see pictures and we see movies and information travels through via Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, everywhere. Mm. So, so people pick it up and, and they resend it.
0: Mm. And what do you see then in practical terms that leaders and boards need to do differently compared to before? I think the first step should be, you know, moving from the
2: shareholder focus, mm. the focus of creating value for the shareholders, right, to the focus of creating value for the stakeholders, right, which should actually not be in conflict. It should be <laughs> aligned. Mm. But then you might have to think on a long-term basis, and then somebody has to define what is long term mm. and what is. Uh, how do you define value creation because we have for so many years now been looking at the financial value creation mm. but what is the value creation on society mm. uh, the social uh, environment human relations etc so it, it, it's a bigger picture now mm. and that is the biggest challenge and also for the boards so I would say that biggest challenge would be to keep themselves up to speed mm. on what is happening because mm. they don't have the information that the management do have. Yeah. The management have, you know, that they're working on a daily basis in the mm. companies. Mm. So they do have a lot more knowledge, a lot more information about what is going on, not only in their own company, but also maybe in the environment around the competitors, the customers, etc. Mm. And that I think is one of the big challenges for board members now. Mm they have to spend a lot more time on their board work. And mm-hmm. that time should be spent on gathering information and not only gathering it, but, but also to extract what is relevant information.
1: You can check out more hints and tips in the blog post covering this podcast episode of Exploring Leaders at the Degosian blog, which you can find at degosian.com. It's very interesting
0: because if you look a bit to the way that we have been assigning board members mm. uh, it has been based on very much of their experience which i'm, I'm sure it should it should continue to be mm. the question is there's also a notion of here are the people they can be there for maybe five years or, or 10 years and then their knowledge is gone is mm. that a way we can work with board members going forward? Or do the board members also need to have some kind of career and education and update and being involved in a different way? I think we have to rethink the whole concept. Mm. Tell us more Let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: start with a big picture. Yeah, because as you said, we, we, we have this fixed thinking about what is a good board member mm. well it should be one with with long experience uh, from preferably from the same industry as the company they should have ceo experience etc so, so so we put a lot of things into this board member this is how it should be mm. and now everything is changing mm. so we also have to change uh, the concept of the boardroom is it sustainable to have 6, 8, 10, maybe 15 people around the table, meeting at maximum once a month to discuss an agenda, which normally starts with looking backwards on the numbers, what has happened. And then they go through the agenda point by point. And after a couple of hours, they finish up and say, well done. And we're happy with what we uh, achieved. Mm. Probably send the management off with, with a lot of new tasks to, uh, to go through until the next board meeting, and then they will meet the next month and then go through the same uh, procedure, right? Th- yeah. yeah, same theater. So, yeah. someone called the board meeting a stage theater. Mm. And also, like the old strategy processes, which mm. usually was held once a year.
0: Mm.
2: And we would make a strategy, and that strategy would hold for the whole year. Mm. And then we would make a budget based on that strategy. Mm that does probably not work anymore Mm. because things are changing so fast. So Mm. so you need to have a a flexible strategy Mm. that that makes you uh, able to to turn around Mm. uh, very quickly. And if the management then has to go back to the board and the next board meeting, which is in four or six weeks, Mm. to ask, then maybe the competitors would would have uh, moved uh, beyond that. Mm. And yeah and, and of course what should the role of the board be yeah. that is probably the starting point mm. what is the role of the board is it still to control and keep tabs on the management mm. is it to be a strategic advisor to the management and how do they balance these tasks and that's what what i think is is way overdue yeah. to discuss uh, these things. But of course, board positions traditionally mm. was the icing of the career cake. Yeah. That was where you ended up. When you finished your dues as mm-hmm. a CEO mm-hmm. and then you could enter a board and you could sort of share your experience. And of course, I, I still think experience is, is a, a, an important quality mm-hmm. of a board member. because, But, but maybe more an experience in processes, how to deal with difficult problems, Mm. how do we solve them, how do we discuss around this boardroom table, how do we get the best competence Mm. out of the people that's sitting around here, Mm. how do we make sure that we do have a constructive discussion where everybody is allowed to to speak their mind
0: and how you and, and i think i think you absolutely are spot on in the entire area that we need to rethink how corporate governance is is handled right now what i see out in the market is like it's it's almost driving towards two different places one of them is controlling more and more and the mm. regulation increases and you try to control everything that can be controlled and the other mm-hmm. one is just saying Well, we need to actually be more involved in strategy and we need to adapt more. Mm. Uh, And we need to make sure that we put budgets into innovation and actually progress more. Do you see that that is going to be able to keep together in a board work? Or do you think it even comes to, is it two different roles? Is it two different assignments? Mm. How do you see that?
2: Well, I would say that those two tasks should be split because it requires two different types of personalities. Mm -hmm. The one that controls, the other one that thinks forward. Maybe I shouldn't use the word creative because Mm -hmm. that doesn't sound good in the board context, but it should be forward-thinking people. Mm -hmm. But then they say that many of the control tasks will be taken over by the robots. That is mm-hmm. why auditors are a bit uh, mm-hmm. worried these yeah, days yeah. But because a lot of their work I- is being robotized. Mm-hmm. But, but then still you have people who are able to make the judgment calls, mm-hmm. who are able to see the red flags, mm-hmm. even if they're hidden way behind some numbers or, or, or within a huge report uh, or words. But but I don't have the, the clear answer. Mm-hmm. What What I do know is that this needs to be discussed and, and yeah. primarily because these people who are so few in numbers, mm. they make decisions of huge importance mm. to so many people and to the whole society.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's certainly true. And let's see if we can bring these two uh, back together. I did mm. not know actually, Turi, that you had such a digital background from the beginning. I <laughs> thought that was very interesting. But let's discuss shortly. But, but just just yeah. a, a side
2: comment to yeah, that because ahead. that is quite interesting because mm. people have been vacuuming, you know, the market for for digital competent right. board members. Yeah. But then again, my digital background from the eighties and early nineties. Might not still be, <laughs> you know, relevant. Mm. The only thing I, I I know the difference between bits and bytes, mm. and that could be a good good knowledge to have as yeah. well. That is how uh, you define what 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 is your. What is your background actually?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the question I had was really around how do you see that digital contributes to corporate renewal and value creation
2: at large, not only boards but the the, the company uh, as such?
0: Uh, absolutely, yes.
2: Mm. Well, well uh, what we see is that robots or digitalization is taking over the boring jobs. Mm. So that's why I think Klaus Schwab calls it an industrial revolution mm. because it, it automizes lots of, of the nitty-gritty work that we don't have to do anymore so, so we can spend more time on thinking and reflecting mm. and that I guess would, would be the biggest change. What, mm. what they do say with, or what I read recently is that mm. many of these jobs are today held by women so we, we need to also rethink what, what are women going to do in the future when when all these jobs are going to be taken away
0: which yeah. i think is i think the other thing that we need to think about which goes to the same thing is who creates the algorithms today yeah and we do that for the next five years is it experienced people with a diverse background or is it Probably potentially not. a very condensed group mm. of young men which is also but, something we need to think about.
2: That is really interesting. I read an article today mm. about sustainable investment.
0: Right.
2: Green investment. Mm-hmm. Green and sustainable companies. About the difference between active and passive investment mm. and then you have these factor funds mm. who are based on algorithms yeah and if they are taking over are the sustainability built into the their algorithms mm. that, that is actually a very important question it is. because yeah. it, if it's not then you will not see investment driving
0: this development. And you can almost put the answer there directly, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we know it. (laughs) Yeah. So, So I think this is very interesting. How do you see then that companies and boards work with corporate renewal and innovation? And have you seen any best practices that we can start to think that it's best practices or good practices that we can start to learn from? Mm. It seems to me
2: that most of the innovation is led to to the management. Mm-hmm. That many of the boards are just sitting back and waiting for their management to come with the proposals.
1: Mm.
2: But then there has to be, you know, a, a very good dialogue between the board. I, I think the best innovative companies would be those who have a trusting relationship between the management and the board, mm-hmm. and also letting the management have. The opportunity to fail because it's high risk to yeah. do this, and then you have to be sure that you're, you're not being fired the next quarter because you didn't no. you didn't make the income that was expected from the board. So I, I think that would be at the basis of a, of such an uh, mm. o, of a good innovation.
0: And I think it's interesting because I think in general boards. Mm. Would want to do that, but I think they are also mm. driven, especially if they are on public companies, mm. to respond very quickly to an investor reaction. So, how mm. do you think do boards need to engage in communicating differently with the market, or how should how do that need to change that mm. relationship?
2: You are referring to boards. I would specifically put this responsibility on the board chair because he as it usually is
0: Mm.
2: is the one setting the stage setting the tone of the work of the board Mm. it's very difficult to be a board member with different views than the chair (laughs) and if the chair is having an open dialogue with its board and he again Mm. would be the one Communicating with the investors, mm. and, and we see also a tendency for institutional investors to have these uh, these dialogues mm. with, with the board, but specifically the board director, uh, the board uh, chair, mm. Mm. and we see this moving uh, moving quickly with the huge uh, huge investors, mm. and, and we also saw BlackRock uh, writing letters to the companies and saying, if you don't behave, we will withdraw our investments.
0: Yeah, which is very interesting because that's their base and that's their long-term focus.
1: To get even more value out of the podcast series Exploring Leaders, you can find everything from research reports to advice and courses at the Degosian website, which you can find at Degotion.com
0: The question is, is the entire market like BlackRock? Or do we have another piece of the market which is much more short-sighted? <laughs> and how do we communicate with them? I think, of course, there the are different markets here. Mm. And, and those huge institutional investors, mm.
2: they have you know, stakeholders to, to answer to. Yes. So, so their stakeholders would also be probably customers. Of yes. these companies, they would be maybe employees of the of the companies, right. and like the Norwegian oil fund, also have the politicians uh, and the whole the whole population of Norway to answer to yeah. so so you you have watchdogs in yes. the other end, yeah. but of course, private investors and maybe smaller private investors, you have your own very large uh, Swedish you know private investors, and they have a long term view. Mm. On their investments mm. so so family businesses i i, I guess would always but by nature have a long-term vision yes. for their yeah. companies yeah. private equity companies we know have short-term mm. views on there because the, they are they go in and, and they will build up the company for two three four five years mm. and they will sell out again, mm. and that's the nature of their business mm. so we do know that this is what they do. But then again, when they sell their companies, the new investors would like to know that this is a company that can survive in yeah. the long term. So, so I don't know, the, the, the whole market, hopefully, will move into a thinking like this. And I think also the, the shift is that we don't talk so much about corporate social responsibility. It is more about we, we cannot accept that shareholders are making money on companies who are or which are destroying the society and the environment. That is a different way of looking at it because we always know that people who put their money and, and risk their money in, into a company, they would like to have a, a return on their investment, and that is fair. Yeah. But, but but
0: it shouldn't be at the cost of anything else. Mm. So you clearly have discussed this with a lot of global Thought leaders, influencers, tell us a bit about what is most exciting in working with your initiative that you work with.
2: What's most exciting for me or yeah. for you? <laughs> to realize that people
0: actually want to do,
2: to do good, they, they, mm. they want to meet, they want to exchange thoughts and views, they want to listen to others, they want to build on their own experience and, and put other experiences together. So and, and this is this joint effort which mm. I find the most interesting. Yeah. And across borders, because this is a borderless topic. It goes global. That mm. that's
0: what I find most interesting. Mm. So now I wanted to take over more towards your perspective yourself. Is there a company or a trend that you believe that we should keep our eye on?
2: Globally or nationally, because, well, th- there is this very famous mm-hmm. Unilever, of course, mm-hmm. uh, which has been driving this debate, or not the debate, but they, they've been driving their business around uh, sustainability. Mm. And I heard Paul Polman said two years ago that Unilever does not sell soap in Africa. They provide five years more of living age to a child.
0: And that's quite impactful. It is very impactful indeed.
2: And then you understand the purpose of the business. Hmm. So the purpose of the business, well, they will make money, of course. Hmm. But the purpose is to to make a child live longer.
0: And then you rearrange a lot around that that you might not have thought about before uh, in your business when yeah, the purpose but, becomes more clear and more genuine.
2: Mm-hmm. So, so as soon as you start to change or, or shift your thinking around this, mm. then it's it's easier to see what, what is this is. Mervyn King says that boards are not, not boards, uh, uh, that companies... Is an object. It is a person by law, a company is, is a person, but it's a person without a mind, soul, and body. Mm-hmm. And the board is set to administer <laughs> this company, or, or, or this, he calls it, that's the word, inca- incapacitated body. He calls the company an incapacitated body. And he made, uh, he, he uh, because he was speaking to my daughter, and he said to my daughter, if your brother was hurt badly in an accident and he couldn't speak and he couldn't think but he was functioning physically and you were set to take care of him would you sort of take advantage of this situation enrich yourself from this this is of course you you would do that and this is what boards are they are mandated to
0: take care of this incapacitated body that's very interesting so maybe yeah, it leads into yeah. yeah, but maybe yeah. it also leads into a, the question around: is there a leader you believe we should keep our eyes on? One specific leader, yeah, one several. If you believe, I'm not sure if I
2: would like to name them. There is one in um, in Norway, at the Aras and Tore Holsetter, mm-hmm. I would say he is very much in the forefront of this and uh, working uh, to, to to shift the strategy. in in Yara and I think he's already well on his way. Doing that you have other uh, Paul Polman I've already mentioned of course Mm. he's the the, the key leader in this. Mm. We have a very prominent um, investment management manager in Norway, Tina Saltvet she just moved over to work with sustainable companies instead of doing just ordinary investment management and um, things are changing now mm. really and I think I'll uh, I'll stop at yes, that yes yeah,
0: yeah. Mm. Uh, but I think one of the things you're doing um, and maybe you're going to come back to that but you're mm. actually bringing people together so they can be inspired by each other because I think yeah. there are something around and that's also one of the reasons we're interviewing you we, we mm. all have a need to actually listen to insightful leaders
2: yeah and to find those leaders and, and bring them together and bring people into one room. Because e- even if we can find a lot of information digital and, and mm. we can go online and we can pick up, you know, both videos and, and written material, there's something about being present in the room mm. with these people.
0: Yeah.
2: And, and I was very happy because one one of the participants of, of the summit in November, she told me afterwards that after that summit, mm. she started to think differently
0: in the boardroom that is that is impactful so,
2: yeah it, it was actually mind changing mm. for her yeah and, and i was very happy to
0: hear that yes which is very very inspiring mm. so what are your own leadership goals with respect to innovation and sustainability in the next coming years for future boards yes mm.
2: My goal or my dream? (laughs) My ambition?
0: Yes.
2: (laughs) My goal is to create this global corporate governance network that should work on a long term and to bring together all these global thinkers or global voices within corporate governance. And I think... It's a never-ending discussion because Mm. the world will keep on changing Mm. and there will be new topics, there will be new issues Mm. to be discussed. And and corporate governance is not a fixed thing, it's a process. And I want to be a part of that process, I want to drive that process. And if I can change a few minds, like this uh, participant at the summit, Mm. then I would be really happy.
0: And I'm absolutely sure that you will and you are. And uh, one of the ways also is that we, if we can help you to make your effort more known, we're very glad. And obviously, if we can contribute in different ways. So I wanted to finish off with what I know is an odd question, but we ask all of our participants <laughs> the same question. And that is, if you were a furniture, what would you be?
2: <laughs> I saw that question in your email. My my first thought was a chair. Okay, of, 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 of course, be a chair. Of course. <laughs>
0: And in this case, I will totally understand it, but maybe you can explain it to our listeners.
2: Well, first of all, because it's the chair of a of a of a company, but mm. and and someone said to me because we had this discussion when I became the chair of a, a coda. Should I be a chairman? Of course, I could not be a chairman because I've been. Very vocal about about women on boards in many many years, and should I be a, a chair woman? No, I thought not, and a chair person, which was very you know didn't sound good. So so I settled for chair, and then someone said, and he was English, and he said. Who wants to be a piece of furniture? <laughs> so when I saw that question, of course, I want to be a piece of a furniture. I want to be a chair, but of course, a chair right now, I'm sitting in a chair. We're sitting in chairs all day. they're supporting us but when we're tired, they're yeah. there. chairs yeah. are always there yeah. so uh, and and we need those uh, we need chairs to to keep
0: us up at an, uh,
2: yeah to go, to get us through the day uh at the
0: office, so yeah. It's not more reflective than that. Well, I think that was very reflective, so thank you so much for that. (laughs) And thank you so much for this interview, uh, Turid. Um, It's been fantastically interesting, and I wish all success in this fantastic endeavor, and I'm sure we will be finding ways to collaborating uh, going forward. Thank you so much, Turid. That sounds great, Lisla. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to Exploring Leaders, a podcast produced by Degotion, with the ambition to inspire insightful leadership in the digital age. If you found this episode interesting, join the momentum to amplify the voices of trailblazing leaders by sharing it with others for inspiration. For any questions or recommendations on other inspiring leaders you like to listen to, contact us via our website, Degotion.com, or via social media as LinkedIn or Twitter.